Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Certified Religious Transition and Trauma Recovery Coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I am so excited for us to continue our conversation with Chris Peck. He's a communications coach from Speak Into Action, and he also has gone through his own religious transition, his own journey through deconstruction. And so today we're continuing our conversation from last week about being intentional in our relationships. And today we're primarily focusing on building community after leaving high demand religion. So without further ado, let's hear more from Chris Peck. So I'm interested, where did you start? Right? Because like you, you know, you and Kevin like deconstructed years and years ago, but like, what was that first step into finding a new community and new relationships for you? That's a really good question. And I don't think I was, I was intentional about it and also not intentional about it. When it became apparent that Kevin and I would likely either remain, because we weren't entirely sure, we would either remain, but we would be outsiders or we would leave. Um, I became a Zumba instructor during that time because I knew I needed community. Okay. Um, yeah. And I knew, uh-huh. So I I got certified as a Zumba instructor so that I could be with people and have that like positive energy and like feel like I was connecting, but I didn't know, I, I didn't want to connect emotionally yet. Um, okay. I had all of my guards up. And so you can dance with someone and feel really close with someone and feel like you've had fun and all these like great memories together. But I wasn't sharing vulnerable, um, wounded pieces of myself. I was just getting up there and twerking and it was really fun. And, you know, it was, yeah. it was like the nightclub that I never got to go to in my twenties, um, with all these like middle-aged yeah. and middle-aged moms and, you know, and so, um, that sort of became, I just needed to be with people and I, I needed to feel like I, like there was a place for me to go to connect. And, and that was probably my most intentional choice was to become a Zumba instructor. And I, I did that for like two or three years so that I would be there with people and it, it would make me get outside of myself because I was grieving too. And there was some depression and I didn't want to go and I knew that I would need that push to get out the door, which is why I became an, an instructor, not just attended Zumba class. Um, right. But I sought out online communities where I could be anonymous, which is where Emancipated Molly came from, um, mm -hmm. in order to just like talk through my feelings. So it's interesting. I kind of separated out those two parts of myself, like the physical me that needed people, but I didn't want to be emotional or vulnerable with those people yet. And I needed, 
I needed that emotional connection where I could like talk through things, but I didn't want people to know who I was in real life. Yeah. So that's, that's where I started. That was the very beginning. So talking about my anger, my feelings, my grief, my sadness, my confusion, my sense of betrayal, my loneliness, but no one knew, no one knew it was me. And then on the other side, other side, like having fun and doing, you know, having a party and dancing and going out to lunch with these people, but not talking about anything really of substance. So that's where I was like kind of meeting both my needs, but in two very different communities. Yeah. Yeah. And that is intentional. Um, And, and, you know, and again, there's some fluidity between intentionality and reactivity. Mm-hmm. Right. There was it, it It feels like you were testing the waters, right, trying on a couple of different things at the same time. Mm-hmm. And and we're absolutely going to go through that phase as we're building community and building relationships is we're going to sometimes be wearing three or four different costumes. Yeah. Right. As we're, as we're just trying to figure out, like. Like what we want this to look like, and particularly coming from an environment where we were told how to be seen, felt, and experienced by others, right? Yeah. Where it's where it's documented, it's biblical, like this is how you have to show up. And and then, you know, to, to kind of walk away from that and go, wait, I get to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Sorry, my brain just like, I was, I had like three or four different metaphors of, <laughs> of, of ways that I could, ways that I could talk about that, you know, and it feels like, it feels like the robot who's finally given permission to like, just be themselves. And so from like this very mechanical perspective, they're like, well, I'm going to wear this hat. I'm going to wear this jacket. I'm going to wear these shoes. And none of it matches. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, that's, I, that's a little how I felt as I was trying to figure out, you know, as I was going out and, and trying to build new community and figure out how I was going to show up um, is just sort of felt like I was wearing a lot of like mismatched stuff. Yeah. Trying to figure out who I was. How did you, how did you deal with the community needs and the need to connect with people after deconstructing or after deconverting, I should say? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's interesting because I would, I would say that I turned the corner from deconversion into deconstruction in 2020. Um, I had a tattoo, um, a Bible verse on my chest, which I got covered. And that was sort of that was sort of one of the big like starting points for me that I was like, something doesn't feel right. This isn't resonating with me. I had deconverted probably, you know, eight years earlier, but Mm -hmm. like the church was still coming up for me in a lot of ways. And so the, so I did the same thing. I found some online communities, um, ended up landing with a really great small group through the leaving the fold Marlene Winnell's group. Um, that's where I met Kara who, uh, who did the beyond the wound workshop. Um, so I met some really great individuals. Um, and so was able to kind of like talk through my feelings and my anger with them as individuals who kind of understood. And, and actually the challenge that I had for a while is feeling like I didn't have a group is feeling that I, you know, obviously I don't have that Christian community. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, how to have a lot of relationships who, and I, and I say this a lot, right? Like a lot of relationships were like, oh, you got good. You got out, right? You got out of that, yeah. like really high demand, um, uncomfortable place to be. Like, that's so great for you. And it's like, yes, it is great for me. And I still mourn those relationships. And I, 
and I mourn that language and I mourn those scripts that, yeah. that like protected me and took care of me for so long. And so I spent a lot of time, I leaned into those online communities um, because I needed people who sort of like understood that midway point mm-hmm. where you are out of high demand religion and still in high demand religion in the ways that it comes up for you. And you're trying to make new community and that community doesn't entirely resonate with you yet. You know, and just a lot of places to be. But I think once I turned that corner um, and got more comfortable sharing my story with the individuals who were already around me, um, that I realized actually that the community that I was already in was incredibly accepting. Yeah. And you know, and I have I have in-laws who have been very helpful throughout all of this. My wife has been so supportive. Um, she's Jewish, and so we were raising my son Jewish. Um, and and so from that perspective, I think I had a lot of really great resources and people who, once I was done being angry, I was able to come back to and go, actually, I'm in a really great community right now, mm-hmm. and they're more than happy for this to just be a part of my story. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that as well. That. I, it's almost like I needed to accept my story and be okay with it. And then it was just, it was cool for that to be a part of my story with the rest of my community. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes back to this, you know, this audience of self. I needed to spend the time deciding how I want to show up for me, mm-hmm. like how I want to be seen, felt and experienced by the only human being on the planet who I am beholden to for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know, and like having a relationship with with myself and being aware with myself and being curious with myself and figuring out the areas that I wasn't showing up the way that I wanted to and who's in that room and what's making me uncomfortable and why am I shrinking back to old scripts? What's going on in this moment? Yeah. Um, and But really showing up for myself first. And once I learned how to navigate this part of my story, was able to kind of like look up from that and go, oh. Yeah. And actually everybody who, who's around me more or less, mm-hmm. right. I've had a couple of challenging conversations around the way, but you know, but everybody who's showing up for me, you know, more or less is like, they may not completely understand, but they're completely accepting. You know, I have that autonomy and that pseudo unconditional belonging. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because um, I, I think we do take that time for ourselves because I think there's, I think there is a piece of us that is mourning deeply, like you said, the old scripts, the old patterns, the old, like the benefits we used to get from showing up in those ways, the connections that we had from showing up in those ways. And I think that there's, there is a a need to be able to share that with someone in a community online or otherwise and have them be like, I get it. Me too. I've experienced that. Like it just validates that feeling and I think allows that part of us to feel heard and seen and understood and to relax and to move through the grief. And I think once we move through the grief, it becomes a lot easier to accept that part of ourselves. And like you said, to you know, pseudo belong in in a community because I don't think we ever fully belong in any community. I don't think we're meant to. Yeah. Well and I mean we sometimes when I talk about authenticity, 
you know, there's sort of this, this question of, and I don't like to work in binaries, but, you know, when people, when people start talking about there are ways for us to inauthentically show up, the first place I go is like, if there's one way to inauthentically show up, then there are a million. Mm-hmm. And if there are a million ways to inauthentically show up, then aren't we really only being authentic when we're with ourselves? And there is something to the absolute autonomy that exists when we're by ourselves, although we, we still tend to be beholden to those old scripts. And so like there's, it's, it's even a little, a, a little vulnerable and weird, but like, yeah, there's always that interplay between autonomy and sort of those community standards, those community expectations is we don't get to just do whatever we want all the time. And, and actually from that perspective, I have a question for you, maybe just from your experience, how were you able to tell the difference between healthy and unhealthy community standards? Because I think most of us feel like we came out of some unhealthy community standards. Yeah. Right? And was there ever a time where you were just like, F all the rules, I'm going to do things my own way? Like, was there a time maybe when you were even triggered by healthy rules as you were looking around at other communities and and other relationships? Like, what what, what was that like? So I think you're first question, like, how do I tell if there are, like, if a community is unhealthy, um, I think one of the biggest red flags for me is like an overexertion of control. And that's going to feel different for different people. Mm -hmm. So what feels like overexertion of control for me might not feel like overexertion of control for someone else. Um, and what what feels free for me might feel like, you know, too much control for someone else. Um, when I read through the bite model and it was talking about like, you know, thought control and emotional control, those are kind of some big red flags for me. And so if I'm in a community where it feels like there are forbidden things for me to read or watch or um, participate in, that that's usually a red flag for me that I'll sit and get curious about. like you know, what are the potential ways that this could hurt me or suppress me? And, and are there any reasons that this might benefit me? So I try to be very objective about this. Could this rule be in place in a way that might benefit me? And what are the possible ways that this could hurt me or, um, you know, exert mind control in some way? Um, same with emotions, if there are certain emotions that are allowed and certain ones that aren't, um, that doesn't mean like all expressions of all emotions are allowed because right. that gets into that whole, like, there are societal expectations. I can feel angry. Like, I love, I love this phrase that I started using with my kids, like when I started deconstructing. And I think even shortly before that, which um, I read in a parenting book someplace um, where she was talking about, like, it is okay to feel angry. And we have to use our, our anger in ways that benefit us and other people. Like we, we don't just get to do whatever we want with our anger. So you can feel angry, but you can't like smack the crap out of your brother. You can feel angry, but you can't go destroy someone's property. You can feel angry, but you can't, you know, seriously damage or hurt somebody else or their property. And so if I'm in a community where emotions are allowed, we can have emotions, we can have, we can be disappointed and frustrated and angry and, um, you know, have differences of opinion. 
I, I love that when it feels like though that those things aren't allowed because they make people uncomfortable, even if you're just expressing it in a very um, healthy, non-hurtful way, then, then those are red flags for me as well. I feel like I'm getting a little off piste, but does that like, are you understanding a little bit better? I guess like how, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is a really huge topic and it's, it's one I'm, I know, maybe, I know. Yeah. It's one I haven't like maybe sat down and explored and, and articulated as well, but I love the question. So how about for you? Um, how do you know whenever communities are unhealthy or when do you start having red flags pop up for you? Um, you know, I, I, I bring it back to sort of like that underlying definition of authenticity, right? Like when we really kind of dig into authenticity and what are we really talking about? Talking about transparency, talking about honesty, talking about vulnerability, talking about autonomy. And, and like, how does that line up? I'll give you a good example. So a couple of years, so I work at a wine shop on Friday, love the place, but there's not a ton of direction Mm -hmm. always. Right. And so we're given quite a bit of autonomy within that, which feels really good until autonomously you make a choice. And this happened to me once where I, in a moment, made a choice and was told after the fact that that was not the right choice to make. And, mm. and there was no sort of like system or structure around that. It's just, hey, do whatever you feel is right, except if what you feel is right is wrong. And, and, I, remember, and I remember feeling like a little moment of, ooh, this is like, it hit me hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure other people in, in that circumstance might have might have reacted differently. But I felt like trust had been betrayed a little bit. I also felt like I was only able to you feel like you're walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. you know, and it actually kind of took me back to high demand religion where you are always walking on eggshells Mm -hmm. because there's so much subjectivity, right? Within sort of that written word and everybody's identifying it as slightly different. And so within that, you try to find autonomy, you try to find a pathway that you can, you know, you decide this is how I want to be seen, felt and experienced, right? And then somebody says, oh, you're doing that wrong. It's like, well, how do you know? Mm -hmm. No. And so, and so it's, it's those moments, like is somebody, is there is there betrayal of honesty within a relationship, right? Is somebody just like what they're saying and what they're doing don't quite line up for me? That's a red flag for me. Um, are people either expecting too much vulnerability from me, mm-hmm. or are they shutting down my vulnerability altogether? Mm-hmm. Right? Like that, those come up as big red flags for me. Um, do I have real autonomous space? And I believe that autonomy does need to be built a little bit on like the rules. You know, am I in an environment where people are saying, hey, you know, we trust you, do whatever you want. And then when I make a choice that feels good to me and they come back and say, ooh, that's not what we wanted you to do. It's like, okay, well, my autonomy is going to thrive if you give me some parameters. Yeah. Like, you know, and then, and then also too, like, you know, if something does go wrong, like what are the conditions within that? Like if, you know, if, if I, and this is again, something from high demand religion, but if I have a misstep, right. And that results in like death and damnation, 
Okay, that very much doesn't feel like yeah. unconditional belonging to me. And I think we've all been in personal relationships too, where we feel like we overstepped. And this is a hard place, right? Because we don't get to decide how other people react. But when we overstep and then just feel this onslaught of retribution against us, and it's like, ooh, that's this, this stings. Yeah. You know? and, and in all those places, getting aware around all of that. Why does it sting me? Did I overstep much further? than I thought, right? And have been conditioned to feel otherwise? Or do I feel like I'm being unnecessarily attacked in order to shape behavior? Or yeah. And so those are, that's, that's really what I lean into is those elements of authenticity, you know, talking about transparency, talking about vulnerability, talking about unconditional belonging, talking about autonomy, and where are the places where it just doesn't feel quite right, really getting curious with myself and getting aware with myself. Yeah. And I love that you, you call that like, where does it not feel quite right? Because sometimes that's really all it is, is just something feels off. I do have a quick question for you though. You were talking about, um, you know, that autonomy thrives in this place with rules where we have some guidelines and some rules, and that's true for, you know, toddlers and for, you know, kids of all ages, they need to know like, where is the container that I can run around free in? Let's talk about the rules because you've brought this up a couple of times. When are rules healthy and unhealthy? And like, how do we tell? Because I think there is that propensity, like you talked about, to maybe like push back against all the rules for a while for some of us. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think it comes back to this idea of intentionality. I, there are no environments, right? And we talked about this. There are, at least to my understanding, there are no environments where some rules like kind of dictate how a, like how a community works, how a space works, right? There's always something there. And so, you know, to me, it's again, being intentional about how we want to be seen, felt, and experienced by others. And then, and I, I love this. I, I, got, I also got this from, um, it, was a, it was a great website with some really good uh, tricks for how to raise children um, as I was getting prepared for Owen to be born. But it talks about this idea with your children, and I've taken it to all of our relationships, is modeling and expecting the behavior that you want in return, mm. right? Is, is we're not just intentional for ourselves, right? We're intentional because we decide, hey, this is how I want to be seen, felt, and experienced by others. I'm going to show up in that way. And I'm going to see who shows up back, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to see, I'm going to see what that looks like and what that feels like in this environment, in this community that will have some rules, right? How are those rules going to rub up against the way that I want to be seen, the way that I want to be felt? Um, and, you know, as I'm modeling and expecting behavior that I'd like to see in return, who's, who's raising their hand and saying, all right, I'll pick up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Right. That, you know, and it's like we I love this quote by Jim Rohn. He says, we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. And to me, that really gives us a charge to say, all right, how do I want to be seen, felt and experienced? And who do I want to be around that allows me to show up as that easily? Right. Who do I want to be allow- around that makes that the path of least resistance? And so again, it's a, it's a feeling thing. I can't like I can't tell every person what rules are good and what rules are bad for them. But 
if you're in an environment, you're modeling and expecting that behavior, that experience that you want to create for others, and everybody in the room just seems to really be pushing back on you, or the rules of the environment are pushing back on you, it's another place to get aware. It's another place to get curious and to say, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. What's, what's happening in this moment? Um, and how is it making me feel? Yeah. Well, and I think you just so beautifully like summed up compatibility, which is something we talked about this past week. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that, like you said, that are, that are picking up what we're putting down, that can see who we are and accept who we are and, and can like reciprocate some of that behavior. They, they not only accept us, they not only see us and understand the facts of who we are, but they also really enjoy it and like it and embrace it and are like working yeah. with it and interacting with it in ways that yeah. like help us feel like we can even expand even further. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the person who's wearing the same coat as you, but it might be the person who looks at you and goes, I love that coat. Yeah. You know, like that they're, that you may not be trying on the same things together. Yeah. And you, it's just easy to create space for the two of you to be you or the four of you to be you or the eight of you to be you, to try things on, to play, mm-hmm. you know, to have these beautiful, like what I call yes and rapport relationships where the individuals around you are accepting what you're saying and adding to it. Yes. Right. As opposed to undercutting you and negating you. Yeah. It's delicate. You know, it's interesting. Like I was so excited to to come into this podcast and talk about building community. And now we've been talking about building community for a while. And it's like, Oh, right. This is hard stuff. It's really hard like, because it's not, you know, because it's not right. It's not a hard skill. It's not something we can be tested on it it really is something that we just have to feel our way through. And, and it's why to me, intentionality is so important because it gives you a place to start, right? It gives you an action step to say, right, this is what I want to do. Like, even with you, you're like, I want to go join Zumba because it's something that lights me up and I need people. Right. I also want to join these, you know, um, these uh, anonymous message boards because I need a place to ramp my frustration right? Two very intentional places for you to occupy and to, and to have your needs met. And then along the way, kind of feeling through that mm-hmm. till you land in a place where it's like, actually, I feel really comfortable now kind of showing up in most spaces as this, this, and this. I can navigate tougher conversations. I'm more comfortable with conflict. I feel better about trying things on. I'm not quite so inhibited, right? I, I, can, I can be a deconstructed Mormon in just about any space, mm-hmm. right? I, I, yeah, you know, but, it's, but it started with intentionality first. Yeah, it definitely did. I've learned so much from this conversation and I feel like, I feel like we have delved into all kinds of topics And I agree with you. I think that building community is very complex because it involves at least two individuals who 
will have their own backgrounds, desires, needs, emotions, experiences, interpretations, their their own old reactive scripts that will come up from time to time. And we're navigating, you know, this give and take between at least the two of us, right? Where we have to see what's working and what's not working and where our boundaries are. And we have to be able to communicate those. And we have to be open-minded and willing to like hear another person out as well as like be heard. And it's this like dance. I feel that, like you said, we don't fully master. I don't know that we ever fully master it, but we like continue to practice it and it's uncomfortable and it's awkward sometimes and it's vulnerable and it's just all these things and it's beautiful. And I think it's, we desire it so much because when we do find that person who can see our coat, I like that analogy that you had that maybe isn't wearing the same coat, but can see our coat and appreciate it and encourage us to wear it. Um, there's just something that's really affirming and empowering and just feels so restful and peaceful to our souls to find people like that. And it's, it's a, a really fun energy to have inside of you as well. Like it, it it's like this bubbly, creative, expansive yeah. energy that happens. And I think we all crave that because we're wired to connect. Yeah. We're wired to feel seen and heard by other humans and, and to interact with other humans that like vibrate on that same frequency with us. And I think it's important for us to know too, because this is, this is a challenging place, right? We came from a community where we were shaped into something very specific. I think it is important for us to also accept and understand that in any environment with any community that will happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my case, like that first community that was chosen for me, I didn't get to decide. Mm-hmm. Right. I was able to make intentional choices within that community. Um, I was able to gain trust and respect and, you know, and, 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 and all those things that you crave and look for compassion and, and individuals that know, like, and trust you and that you like back. But now I get to choose. Right. You know, and, and I think that choice is exciting. It's exhilarating for two reasons. One, I just get to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Like I get to decide who, like, who do I want to go out there and engage with? And also I get to choose who I'm going to be the average of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I get, to, I get to just like, who are those individuals in my life that I desperately like, cause we all do this, right? We're like, I wish I were a little more like, Oh, I love what they do there. I wish I had a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Bring those people into your community. Bring those people into your relationships. Those individuals who are like, ooh, that's like a little bit of what they're dishing out. Yeah. Find those individuals and and be intentional about it. Like, who do you want to be the average of? Yeah, I like that. And I also feel that that, I don't know if you feel this way too, but I feel like we bring people like that into our community, particularly when we're deconstructing and maybe we don't know who to connect with yet. We bring people like that into our lives and we begin to like expand into that person that we're wanting to become by reading books, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos. And we get to try on some of that and figure out like what, what brings me closer to this person I'm trying to evolve in, into and, and to become and maybe who, 
who makes me feel further away from that person I'm trying to become like, and again, it's tapping in and filling into like what feels really good and what feels like it's just a little bit off and allowing ourselves to notice it and then figure out what we want to do with that information. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the next assignment for individuals who are listening to this podcast is to go back and listen to all the Emancipated Molly podcasts about being in tune with your inner self and your inner knowing, right? Because, because I feel like that's been so many answers to the questions that we've had today. Well, how do I know, like, how do I know what rules work for me and what don't? You got to get in touch with yourself. How do I know how I want to show up to other people? Got to get in tune with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you have to build that intentional relationship first. How do you want to be seen, felt, and experienced by you? Mm-hmm. And and then a lot of it is just, it's like the rehearsal process. It's just a lot of play. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of play and self-discovery until you get to a point where you've taken ownership of those new scripts in such a way that you are able to show up as, I won't say the best version of you, but the version of you you want to be. Yeah. Right? You get to show up as the version of you you want to be in almost in the environment. I love that you said not the best version of you, but the version of you you want to be, because I think that leaves that room, that flexibility for the continual evolution of the self, because the best version of you, I think feels like you arrive and that that like is who you're supposed to be. And I don't know that we ever arrive ever, which is both terrifying and freeing. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, it also feels a little, and I stopped using that language several months ago for that reason, is I'll still catch myself from time to time. It's an old script. It feels like somebody else, when, when I say show up as the best version of you, it feels like I have the answer to who the mm-hmm. best version of you should be. Like it, feels, like it feels a little dictative. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what the best version of Terry is. I well, don't. Does Terry know what the best right. version of Terry is? Like... Terry's doing the best she can with the information she has in the current moment. And that may change tomorrow. It may change later this afternoon, but it will definitely change within the next year. I love that because it does. It does sound like, oh, I have the definitive answer, whether we're saying that about somebody else or even really if we're saying that about ourselves, because we don't, we just have the information we have right now. Yeah. You know, I, I do feel like I have to say this, um, you know, to, to the individual who's listening to this podcast right now, who is probably losing their minds with anxiety because they were going to learn how to build community. And now they just have to go back and trust themselves and be intentional. Um, like show yourself some compassion. So is like, you know, to your point, we are all doing the best we can with the information that we have. And which means you can only build new relationships and new community off of what you know in this moment right now, mm-hmm. which will change over time. Mm-hmm. You know, you may find yourself a year or three years or five years down the line where now you've grown, right? But you still don't feel like, you feel like the average of the people that you're spending time with still isn't where you want to be. And you want to explore new relationships and you want to go through this process again. Like just show yourself some compassion along the way because you have the rest of your life to get it right, to get it as close to right as feels good to you. Yeah. Well, and I love that you said we can repeat this relation or we can repeat this process because, I mean, we if we are evolving, 
it's going to happen multiple times. It's not like we're going to arrive, find the community that fits us forever. And we might find some aspects of community that fit us forever, but I, I feel like that evolves. It continues to change. It continues to to grow. And I think we're going to find ourselves in that place that you were talking about where it feels a little like we're wearing this mismatching shoes and coat and hat. I'm in one of those places right now. I'm trying on like several different things that are mismatched and don't go together. And, but they all feel good right now. They all feel like what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I know that at some point it will all integrate and I will be like, oh, and I'll rest into that place for a little while until it's time to grow again. So, yeah. 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 And in the meantime, you'll be growing anyway. Oh, for sure. No. And, and, you know, and just keep practicing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the challenging place. It's like, continue to do the uncomfortable, right? Continue, like get intentional about how you want to be seen, felt and experienced, and then go out and practice. And then from that practice, like, look at the awareness that's coming up and the curiosity and where do you need to go through and tweak those scripts or com- completely rewrite those scripts. Mm-hmm. And do you need to write some of those scripts down on a piece of paper so that when you walk into an environment, you have the tools necessary to show up as the version of you you want to be seen, felt, and experienced as. Yeah. But you like, but we have to practice. And it's hard because we don't have the safe space as the stage. We don't just get to practice in front of our peers who are all in this with us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there's like, but there are other people who are practicing. You know, and that may be a good place to start with relationships and community. It's who are the other people who are just practicing right now, trying to get out there and and do this, like, you know, find your tribe while you're finding your tribe. Yeah. I feel like sometimes deconstruction spaces can be a really great place to practice things because all of you are in that awkward kind of phase of Mm -hmm. discovering yourself all together found that really helpful. We had an in-person ex-Mormon group that we kind of developed from the online group. And that gave us a, a chance to all like be awkward people who didn't know how to order coffee, had never had a drink at a bar before, who didn't know um, how to wear, like, where do we buy shorts and tank tops and like, what underclothing do you wear with that? And like, all these like weird, awkward, like teenage things that we needed to like try on and figure out. We all got to be awkward together and we all got to try like boundaries together and we all got to try, you know, being a different person than we were in high demand religion yeah. together. And so it was this like weird, awkward teenage place where all these adults were figuring out who they are. And, and it was really fun. Um, I also loved meetup.com. So if you're looking for mm-hmm. groups to join, I did a gardening group for a while. There was like a, a community service group that I joined for a while. Um there were some like spirituality groups that I kind of joined for a while and just like tried on different groups and would come back home. And like you said, did like an intentional journaling exercise of what did that feel like? What did I like about it? What didn't I like about it? And I didn't join, I didn't go to these groups with the idea of I'm going to join this permanently. It was, I'm going to go there and see how I feel in this environment with these people And it was nice because since I didn't really have a relationship with any of these people outside of that, like if I bombed it, which was really comforting, if I went in and just bombed it, I didn't ever have to go back if I didn't want to. So 
it was a great place to practice because I was like, I don't know any of these people. And if I am a total awkward dork or say or do something really bad, like I don't have to go back and it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, as I, as I was using particularly online deconstruction communities um, and, and I wonder how many other individuals who've gone, have gone through this process as well, but I really, it became really, really important to me to know how to identify myself mm-hmm. spiritually, right? Just because for so long I'd been a quote unquote Christian, right? And that label is just so, like, it's so easy to say, there's so much assumed around it. You know, it just, it tells enough in, in, a, in a very simple way. And I desperately needed to, like, come up with something new. And so I found myself in all these different deconstruction spheres, like, well, am I still spiritual? That, I don't know how that feels. Um, I, you know, I toyed around with atheism, but it's just a little too black and white for me. And it took a really long time, like, like kind of going up against some other individuals and feeling a lot of that out for me to kind of like safely land in the mm-hmm. uncertainty of agnosticism. Right. And I, I know, I know it's just, it's, and I know a lot of people are like, Oh, come on. But what does that really mean? And it's like, no, that's, that's what that really means is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I don't resonate with my birth faith. I know that I have experienced things that I don't entirely understand. Mm-hmm. I know that my mother-in-law is a tea leaf reader. Like I know, so there, there's so much that I know that I, I become so skeptical of anyone who looks at me and says, I have capital T truth for you. I'm like, well, that's great. I'm going to live in uncertainty, but it took like, that was so much of my journey. It's mm-hmm. just trying to figure out like where I felt comfortable and, and, and what that language needed to look like for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I went through that very same process of trying to figure out like what my label was and ended up with the most ambiguous, I guess, label of all, which is uncertain, searching, open to learning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been nice. It helps me connect with all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds because I, my, my truth doesn't have to like punch up against right. their truth um, unless they're trying to make their truth my truth. And then we're going to have problems. That's the only time we're going to have problems. Yeah. But otherwise it's just like, okay, like I can, I can sit here. I can listen to this. This is your language. It's your truth. It's your experience. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be slightly skeptical. Yeah. Like that's, that's where I live. Yeah. I was in a Catholic mass yesterday. So, I mean, like, sitting down in Catholic mass for, you know, a ceremony. And it was so nice to just be like, I don't have a truth that bumps up against this. I can just sit and observe it and see what resonates and what doesn't resonate. And I can allow everyone in this ceremony that, that believes this to believe this without it meaning something about my beliefs. And this is wonderful. Yeah. 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 No, I've had a very similar experience. Like I said, my wife and my son are Jewish. And so we celebrate many of the Jewish holidays and it's it in my, my wife is uh, reformed Judaism. So she practices the cultural components, mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't necessarily believe in the religious. Um, and it's fun to experience 
what like what on the surface are very religious practices but to get to enjoy those from a cultural perspective like oh this is really this is a really beautiful ceremony mm-hmm. and there's there's some built-in aesthetic distance that just makes that really fun to be a part of and and i notice as i lean more and more into my own uncertainty now i haven't stepped foot in a church of christ again but like as i lean more and more into my uncertainty it's actually given me a lot of space to be able to just appreciate other spiritual paths for the rich traditions that they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I haven't quite gotten there with Mormonism yet. So Mormonism is still a little triggering, but I can do it with almost any other religion, like allow myself to just enjoy the aesthetics and the cultural like impacts that it has on different people and how it shapes us and molds us and helps us make meaning and understanding out of the world and, and why it's there. Like it's, it's nice to be able to, to do that. It is very difficult though. I think sometimes to get to that same place, maybe it just takes longer to get to that same place with your birth religion, your birth faith, as you say. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever happen for me. So I don't know if it will for me either. Like I, I would not be able to go to a temple ceremony. It's very difficult for me to go to baptisms, um, missionary farewells, like some of those traditional milestones that, that happen in Mormonism that are surrounded with religion. I I think it's just because it has so much meaning and impact in my previous life. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's a part, it's a character that for me no longer resonates. No, you know, I, you know, I, I can go into that environment, but I'm not interested in playing the part. Yeah. And I also know that if I willingly go into that environment, like I'm going to have to bite my tongue in some places, Yeah. you know, that I'm going to have to be the average of the five people that I'm sitting around. And I, I don't see any moment in my immediate future where I want to do that. No, I just, I see a couple of moments in my very soon future. Well, where I'll have to do that. Um, yeah, we have some funerals. I'm sure that will happen in the next, at least five years. And so we're already starting to kind of prepare for that. My parents-in-law are, are in their nineties. Um, and so I'm, we're already, and, and they talk about their funeral every time we get together about what they want and who's saying prayers and who's giving talks. And we're already, you know, trying to write the scripts for how we're going to show up and how we're going to remain intentional in that situation, because there's no way we're going to miss that funeral because we love our parents and we want to be there. And there's no way I'm going to sit there and be somebody that I'm not. So we're trying to figure out, I'm wearing a pantsuit. I know that for sure. I will be there in a super Mm. classy pantsuit, but I will not wear a dress. So yeah. 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 I love that you are planning. This feels like a podcast episode in and of itself, like how to write the scripts and show up intentionally in environments that could be hostile. Yeah. I feel like maybe we do need a podcast about that in the future. I'm writing it down. Do you want to help us with that? I feel like you would be the expert to talk to. I mean, I think it would be a fun conversation. 
I think it's a, a conversation that we need because I think all of us who come from high demand religion do find ourselves in hostile environments occasionally. And how do we write those scripts? How do we decide to, how do we show up intentionally and, and root into those scripts that we want to bring yeah. with us in those yeah. instances where we find ourselves not able to avoid the situation? We have to be there. Yeah. Ah. What are we like? Where are we intentionally going to draw those boundaries? Like, where are we going to show a little bit of flexibility? Um, it's it's difficult because most communication is much easier when we're not in conflict. Oh yeah, obviously, right? And so, like, opening ourselves up to potential conflict by going into right more hostile environments, like, talk about the anxiety waves. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's like who, who, everybody wants to put themselves in an easy situation. And that's what we're looking for when we're building community. Where is it easy for me to show up intentionally? Where yeah. is it easy for me to try things on and feel like I'm accepted? But what does that look like when we find ourselves in an environment where it's not easy? Because yeah. we will all have to go back to, I have like my dear, dear friend who lives in Texas. Um, he and I could not be further apart, right? He's, he's a, a gun toting voted for 45 and I love the guy and the two of us, we are able to have wonderful, rich conversations where we can cross the aisle. I can't have those same conversations with all of his friends. Mm -hmm. And so when I find myself in those environments, like what does that have to look like? What is showing up intentionally on behalf of them and on behalf of me look like? Yeah. Yeah. And we, I mean, I really love how you talk about this give and take about the fact that there are rules of engagement in any community and we're, we're trying to center into who do I intentionally want to be within these rules of engagement, because there will be rules of engagement at this funeral coming up, like, and emotions are going to run high. When I say coming up, I mean, it'll be sometime in the next five years. My, my father-in-law has tons of health problems. They get worse every year. Um, we know it's coming. He's, he's at the end of his life. He knows it's coming. It's at the end of his life. Um, and I deeply know what an LDS funeral is going to look like. And so how do we show up and be respectful of their life and respectful of their faith that they believed all the way until the end. And that many of Kevin's siblings still are fully, you know, bought into and yeah, how do we show up intentionally? So I feel like this is a podcast we need to have at some point this year, whenever you're available. I am open to that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. No, I mean you've you've brought up you've brought up a lot for us to kind of sit with. Um, I wasn't I wasn't anticipating the conversation going this way, but that's what I love about our conversation is no matter where we end, it will always feel like an unfinished thought. Always, always. Yeah. I never end my conversation with you like, and we wrapped a bow on that. Like there's nothing else to talk about. I'm always like, now I have 10 more questions, 10 more things to think about. So, and I think hopefully we've given that to our listeners as well, because that's the thing I love about you, Chris, is that I, you make me think not only do you clarify my thoughts in the present, but you give me more questions to ask for the future. And I hope we've done that for our listeners, because I think there's something really enriching and fun. 
about having those questions at the end and having something more to think about and something more to consider. Agreed. Agreed. I love, I love walking away from, and I always feel like, you know, anytime I listen to your podcast, I feel like I walk away with more to think about than I went in. Um, but definitely, I mean, when you and I sit down together, like it's always the rest of my day is just like, Ooh, this and this, and I had never hadn't thought about this and how can I do this? And yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, so you heard it here first, friends. Um, we will be talking about this more because it yes, sounds we like we need to have a conversation about like going into the lion's den. Yeah, I think we really do. I This is one of the things I talk about with people in Messenger all the time is mm-hmm. I'm about to have to do this really terrifying thing where I have to go into the lion's den and how do I deal with that? And it sounds like we need to talk about scripts and we need to talk about how to show up intentionally in those situations. So it'll be coming sometime soon, but thank you, Chris, for showing up today, for talking about intentionality, all of the things we talked about, the boundaries, how to, you know, what it means to be authentic in community and, and really how that's kind of a misnomer. It's more about like, how do I show up um, and be transparent? How do I, how do I be more vulnerable? How do I, choose people who can um, resonate with that? And and how do I recognize them when that happens? Before we leave, I always like to let people know where they can find more of you because I know people are going to want to find more of you. So where can they go to get more, Chris? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So you can go to my website, www.speakintoactioncom.com. I also love when people follow me on Instagram, at Chris Speaks Up. Um, and and because we left it this way, like if you are about to engage in some challenging conversations or you're about to like head into, you know, some challenging communities, um, like I do a free consultation, just shoot me an email. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's, let's talk about how we can equip you with some intentionality and how you can start thinking about your script so that you can navigate those challenging and uncomfortable conversations. Mm, I love it. I am so grateful that you're on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing your time, your expertise, your deep curiosity about the world and your ability to ask such wonderful probing questions. I have loved this and I know our listeners have too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I am going to be taking a two-week break and enjoying some time with family down in Texas. I will be back on the air on July 16th, and I can't wait for the topics I have in mind and to discuss more of those with you throughout the summer. Until then, continue healing, and I look forward to talking with you more in July.